Welcome to Corestruction, the podcast of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. I'm your host, Brandon Parrish. Today I have with me Lee Conley. Lee is our Deputy District Engineer for Programs and Management here at the Tulsa District. Lee is getting ready to retire, and I've got him here to talk about some of his accomplishments and his career over, what is it, 30 years now? 35, yeah. 35 years. So, Lee, you started with the Army. Um, can you tell us about how that was really your first introduction to the Corps, right? It was. It was. You know, I uh, uh, first, thank you, Brandon, for the invitation to be here. It's, uh, it's, it's an honor to, to address the, uh, the podcast today, so appreciate the opportunity. Um, yeah, it, you know, being on active duty was, was my first introduction to, I guess, the Army side of the Corps of Engineers. Um, it was one of those things when I was in college, you know, as everybody struggles with what they're going to do for the rest of their lives kind of thing, or at least the first part of their lives. Uh, the Army was a great choice, and fortunately I was able to um, be able to get a scholarship, and, and the Army was able to pay for uh, the last couple years of my schooling, and I was able to actually have a job when I got out, and so I entered active duty. And... Um, went that track for about 10 years and then was able to fortunately I got married and then that, that kind of shifted some priorities around and so um, was able to fortunately be able to get picked up by the Fort Worth district coming off active duty so as a civilian you you're from the Memphis Tennessee area right yes originally yes, and right. went to you're a Memphis grad I am uh, back when it was Memphis State that's right yes. back when there was still a state at the end of it right <laughs> Um, now it's Memphis. It is. Where are some of the places that you served during your, your army career and how did they prepare you for your, your ultimate, um, core career for, as a civilian? Right, right. No. Yeah. I, um, so, you know, in those days, you know, my, my breadth of travel was very limited, um, and um, so I entered active duty and was at Fort Belfort. In those days, they trained the new engineer officers and a lot of the NCO Corps and that kind of thing at uh, Belvoir. And um, so I was thrust right in the middle of the Washington, D.C. area. Very exciting, great place for a young person to be. And so um, uh, spent some time there and then was at Fort Bragg for three years. At Fort Bragg, we did a number of deployments, uh, OCONUS deployments to Panama, Honduras while I was there, a number of rotations to the NTC in California, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, in the first few years of the Army career, it just really uh, was exposed to a lot of things that were bigger than Memphis, Tennessee. Right, in my experience. And so from there, I went to Fort Leonard Wood because the schoolhouse had moved to, to Fort Leonard Wood by then. Spent a few years there, or a few months there, and then uh, did a tour in Korea. Uh, and did a company command in Korea, and then was posted to a Corps of Engineer district in Fort Worth, which was uh, kind of a normal normal process for an engineer officer in those days you did a comp- you did your command and then you kind of had a choice of what you could do so fortunately i was able to do that and uh, really saw the civilian side of the army corps of engineers that i knew existed but you know 
what is this animal, right? And so uh, began my journey there uh, in the, uh, with the civilian side as a military officer at first. Yeah. I'm kind of going off script, I know, but you said you were in Honduras. Yeah. So you were with Joint Task Force Bravo? Yes, I was. JTF Bravo, we were down in a place called San Lorenzo, building an airstrip down there, uh, field landing strip, uh, you know, out of reinforced dirt, basically, right. with lime-stabilized dirt. Right in between, uh, near Choloteco is one of the larger areas down there. But it was right in between, in those days, Nicaragua and El Salvador, and right along a kind of a dicey pathway there. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was, it was interesting days for sure. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an alum of, of JTF Bravo. JTF Bravo. Yeah. 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 We, well, I, I was able time at Soto Cano. I was going to say, I did, I did make it up to Soto Cano Air, Air Base a couple of times and that was civilization for us. That, so. that was, yeah. <laughs> In Komeawa. Yeah. Uh, it was a beautiful place. I mean, you had the lush jungles and everything up there, but we were kind of in a, a more uh, arid, arid part of the country, but uh, those those airstrips are still being used to this day. Well, you know, you can you can hit Google Earth and see the airstrip, and it's like the town has like encroached. It. It's like this or a dual road for them now. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to see. But yeah. Well, so you were at Fort Worth, and then yeah. um, you eventually. I think you've made your way over to Ark to Little Rock, correct? Yes. After Fort Worth, you were at, you were at Fort Worth for right. like how many years? Yeah, I was. Uh, so, because you had let, a number of positions. Yeah, let's not forget Dallas, right? I was right. in uh, SWD for eight of those years. So, I was in Fort Worth for seventeen years, uh, eight of which were with the uh, SWD, the MSC Command. Um, and then after that, spent uh, a little over six years in Little Rock District and now about seven years here. So, yeah, I kind of bounced around a little bit. So what does the Deputy District Engineer for Program program Management do? Yeah, so let, uh, let me start with a little bit of context, right? So okay. this position is, I guess, geologically speaking with you, say, so this position and, and the whole PPMD organization is kind of new. It's um, it's been around since the early '90s when USACE, you know, was catching up with industry in those days, and they realized that uh, the the uh, the concept of life cycle project management was something that we needed to adopt in USACE, and so with that, they created uh, an organization to do that, and that was programs and project management. Um, the deputy district engineer for programs and project management, which is one of the hats that I wear, um, was the chief of that functional area, along with, you know, an engineering chief and a construction chief and operations and that kind of thing. So they established that position. Um, and it's been around for about 30 years now. And and in that time, it's evolved. Uh, so Typically, in the in the construct of today's position, the shorthand for that is DPM. Um, is I wear four hats, really. Um, if 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 we're kind of looking at things, you know, two of those hats face out, face outward to the organization. Two of them kind of face inward. Uh, the chief of programs and project management, which I think everybody is mostly familiar with here in the organization, is is one of those hats. Um, 
senior civilian is is another role um, that that is associated with my position, um, and that deals with um, peers, stakeholders, that type of thing. Uh, senior advisor to the commander, so the commander and I spend a lot of time with each other and 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 deal with any number of um, of things going on in the district, the region, and the nation in terms of our mission. And then finally, a regional and national role as either board member or participant in uh, a meeting forum or an issue resolution or a tiger team or whatever it is. So, so about four different hats. And so um, the amount of time I spend in any one of those areas varies, but what's of great help is having a team of folks in PPMD um, like Patrick Beard, you know, dealing with the military programs, Loretta, uh, in her, you know, former role as the Civil Works uh, Program Manager um, for the district, and Ashley Allender dealing with our new missions in California, and of course Michelle Lay as the Assistant Chief of PPMD that handles and tackles any number of day-to-day issues, and so huge help with that great, you know, you know, great uh, branch chiefs. Um, PMs, program analysts, PCO, to keep the wheels turning so that the, you know, other aspects of this role for the DPM uh, can be adequately serviced as well. You, your, your bio, when I was going over it, um, it mentions that you are a Gallup's strength uh, coach. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, yeah. and I, I noticed this about you over the years. Um <laughs> Because I remember even recently, right? So we were, we're doing a town, town hall. And right. You're saying basically you're, this is your last town hall and you're right. saying kind of your farewell to the workforce. And you mentioned, you know, people as our first um, element of our vision. People right. as the first element right. of our vision. Yeah. And can you talk about how that people development role, how and why that's so important to you? Yeah. Because it does seem to be a very big part of, of what I've even seen over the years from, from you. The, you. You are very big on developing. Yes, people. yes, I am. And, and, I, and I tell you, it's, I've come a long way with that. You know, you know, it's one thing looking at a task to do. And so I'm kind of going back in my mind to when I was a young lieutenant and getting something done and you just wanted a human being to plug the vacuum and do that. Well, okay, that's easy when you are kind of in that mindset and in that mode. But I'd like to think over the years <laughs> I've improved that outlook. Um, and, and I think it's certainly true today is, you know, really our business right here, it's, it's about people. I mean, it, it really is. And, and no matter how you slice it, um, and if you and if I were to extend that thought, even with our mission set, it really is about our communities, um, our you know the the you know protecting not only property but people as we get out there. So it, it, it's all about whether we are you know doing our mission and protecting people or our workforce and hiring for the right people or getting folks in the right. Um, you know, positions so that they can thrive. Um, or if we're astute as managers and leaders in the district, 
uh, no matter what level we're at, to detect when somebody could potentially be cast in another role that they haven't even thought about. So help them with their potential, help them with opportunities. And so the, the, Gallup, the Gallup piece of that is was really eye-opening to me several, you know, decades ago uh, from a strengths standpoint and teasing out, you know, when we take, when we are always able to take a moment and take a look at ourselves, there's a number of different tools out there to help us do that. And Gallup has one called Strengths Finder. And that was, that was really an epiphany, epiphany moment for me to understand that we got some things that we're all naturally good at and they help identify those. And so that helps with um, how you spend your time, you know, how you're going to train, how are you going to do some OJT, some developmentals, or even what career path or agency or private sector, public sector, dealing with your family, dealing with your church, dealing with anything off duty or whatever it might be. You know, it helps, you know, deal with those situations that you might be in and identify those those uh, attributes or strengths in others and adapt to situations and that kind of thing. So um, the people business is something that, you know, it's, it's really the underpinning of our culture and who we are and what we do. And, you know, is it a pleasure to come to work? You know, or is it a chore to come to work? Or do we like working with our people? You know, so to try to address that, I think, is, is important. And, I've, and I view as part of my job here to influence that at every level and then set the pace and the culture for that. Um, so, yeah, it's important. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the most important thing to me and how we do our business. Yeah. As a DPM, you know, people, whether this is accurate or inaccurate, I think a lot of people look at the DPM as, you know, you're overseeing the people who oversee the project managers who in civil works and military right. programs. And, right. and they, they, and maybe that's sort of a pigeonhole uh, perception, but I mean, it, it is how I think a lot of people view mm-hmm. it as like, you know, there's your civil works and your military programs, and then you have the DPM who really is working pretty pretty close with, with right. both of those leaders. Um, in that, you teach the USACE Prospect course, right. which is where which is where our engineers and our, our project managers learn the the formal schooling aspect mm-hmm. of how to be a project manager. Where they, mm-hmm. a project manager, can can you talk about why you got into that originally? And and you seemed like you you really enjoyed doing yeah. that a lot. Yeah, I I like it. I, I think it's good. I, I've been I've been involved with that that group. Um, and you know we pull our te- our instructors from across USACE, and so it's I would consider all of them friends of mine at this stage of the game. I've been doing that for um, fifteen years, I guess, been teaching that class, that course. Yeah. So so really, what we're talking about here is is it's it's a prospect course. It's uh, USACE prospect course number three fifty five, basic project management in USACE. Um, but it's just not for PMs, you know, it's right. just not for PAs. I mean, I would say the minority of people in those classes are from programs and project management. You know, so, it, it, you know, we had 
folks from counsel in there, lawyers in there, paralegals, real estate folks, contracting people, OPMs, right? right. Uh, pro- you know, operations project managers and their staffs. So, um, and and which is important <clears throat> because there's project management is just not the purview of PPMD, right? right. Everybody. I mean, it's a decentralized concept. We, we're the holders of the function, right? But and the basic process, but really the 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 application of that really spills into really anything that we do um and uh and we do a lot of that and we want it to be decentralized folks need to be empowered to do that so um what i focus on (laughs) and it's gonna be a theme here but what i focus on in that is the first day primarily and it's all day and it's people. It's soft skills, right. right? So, you know, one of the first things I ask the I ask the classes typically is like, how many people in here don't deal with people? Well, you know, hey, everybody deals with people. There's not one thing we do. So, you know, we surround ourselves with automated information systems. You know, P2, RMS, C phones. We have computers. We got phones. We got all the. But it takes human beings to make all that work and then come together as teams to make everything work. So, you know, we, we answer a lot of questions as to why, you know, especially on the front end before people actually take the classes to what's this first day on strengths finder and mm-hmm. team building and team interactions and that kind of thing. So, but then by the end of the week, they're like, I understand now, right? They thought they were going to get a scheduling class <laughs> or a or a, uh, you know, how to budget a project. So we talk about that and, and we, you know, some of the nuances, some of the contracting tools, very important things to understand. But, you know, the five fundamentals of, of project management typically are, you know, what's the schedule? What's the scope? What we're trying to do? What's the budget or cost that we're trying to do? Quality measures, which is a very, that's a class in and of itself, right? And then risk, you know, how do we assess that? So we talk about all that, but... But, Brandon, you know, the, the, the sinew that binds that all together is relationships. It's people doing that, um, those tasks that need to be done, coordinating, communicating, and moving projects forward in this case, or issue resolution or communicating with our stakeholders, whatever it might be. But that all involves the soft skills to maneuver in that environment. So... It's very tactile. You know, it's a very, very uh, people-oriented business. And you're dealing, too, with, so as a, as a project manager, you're dealing with people from various functional areas. Right. Um, who you don't technically have any formal authority over, exactly. aside from the fact that they're on your team. So you have to figure out a way to motivate people who you don't necessarily have the ability to counsel. Right. Exactly. So, how do you teach that, or can you teach that? Do you yeah. think it's something that some people just have a knack for it, or is it something that really can be learned? Well, you know, I, I think both. Um, you know, you know, when I was on the Army side, the active Army side of things, tons of leadership. I mean, the Army is all about command and leadership right. as an officer, right? So you, you, get, you get that in, uh, in buckets. You know, you, there's a lot of that kind of training. And then you get to practice it as, as you go through your career there. And so the art part of that business, 
really translated well over to the Yusei side in terms of dealing with um, uh, the civilian environment because, you know, you know, people talk about hard power and soft power. We're really talking about soft power, soft skills. You know, what is that ability to influence, speak with confidence, gain respect, that kind of thing, in order to be effective? Um, and folks, you know, I think people who lead projects, not necessarily just PMs, but in our own, you know, PDTs that we we develop here in the district or in USACE or whatever teams that we're on, uh, in our respective functional areas, you know, folks who are effective at that brand of leading, um, keep that in mind. You know, they're able to adapt to the folks that they're dealing with. They're able to um, um, be heard in a meeting to influence appropriately without, you know, you know, breaking, you know, breaking relationships and that kind of thing. So I think anybody worth their salt understands the art part of that leadership component and knows when to engage, when not to engage, uh, which is almost as important, you know, on knowing when not to say something or when to do something versus doing something um, and building that trust so that people trust you along the way. So, yeah, that's one of the unique things if we're talking specifically about PMs. You know, they got the responsibility but no authority over the teams, and that I think that's one of the strengths of our organization, especially in Tulsa, is that um, we come together every day, many times a day, to move projects forward in this fashion, and we get it, and, we, and we're able to get it done. Um, you know, I mentioned the other day in the town hall, you know, Determined professionals, professionals. right? That, that's something that, you know, I've, I've thought about this a lot. You know, what is it that's unique in our district here in Tulsa that distinguishes us from others, perhaps, in terms of how we do our business? And I think that's true. I think there's, there's again, no drama in what we do. We get it, we get it you know, we get it done. Now, that's not to say that we're robots and we just don't have any feedback, but, but if it's got to, you know, when it comes right down to it, if a job's got to be done, we, we think about it rationally and we move out and get it done, um, with that, with that resolve. Uh, and that is something that, uh, we propagate through our organization, just not from PPMD, but in operations division. You know, these like managers out there running these projects, that's hard work, you know, in Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, that's tough to tough work. They do this every day. Real estate is running several national missions on their own. They do this every day. Contracting in any number of, of regional missions that they deal with, uh, take care of the take care of business like they need to so um i think the secret's out we now have missions in california right that's true yeah <laughs> we now have missions in california on the last two uh dsac one dams in the country that need to get done are now our responsibility to get done in the los angeles area when when you get a project like that that's yeah technically outside of our 
boundaries. Right. Um, how does that make you feel as a DPM? I mean, obviously there's some pride there. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think, um, it's a great, it's a great compliment when, you know, the, the three-star general says, you know, general at the time, general Beck, this is your mission. And then general Beck immediately gives, you know, the commander and me a call and says, it's your mission to handle. Um, it's a, you know, of course, you know, it's, it's a two, two-sided coin. You're, you, you, you very, pr- you know, very proud that they picked you in terms of you as in the district to do this mission. But then, you know, reality sets in, right? It's like, oh, we got to get this mission done, right? How are we going to do it? Um, but we do, we do get it done. And It's it, it's a great compliment to our team to be able to do this work, um, and it's not without a lot of visibility, right? It's almost like two districts operating, you right. know. So, so the burden on the leadership team is to make sure that we don't we don't impede what we're doing here in Tulsa proper, you know, Tulsa district proper, and that we are able to do that uh, what we call enterprise missions mission assignments from the enterprise level uh, and give that the appropriate level of, of uh, support also. Is there a project the district has completed or, or taken on that you're most proud of, maybe? And I'll, if you want to name multiple so you yeah. don't have to, like, single out any specific. Well, it, well, you know, what comes to mind, you know, I yeah, <laughs> what comes to mind um, is – a lot of things, but I would say that our Tulsa West Tulsa levy uh, study that we did in 16 months, that hasn't been done in 45 years in USAs. Yeah, and that's typically a three-year a three-year process. Three-year process. Was, it was right. done in 16 months. And we yeah. needed it. During done. a difficult time. It was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very true. And, and you know, um, I'm very proud of that in terms of how we responded as a district, how we were able to protect those resources on that team. Because we had, you know, very qualified people on that team that had other demands on their time. But, um, you know, we, we had great partners in, in, in Tulsa County and at the Levy District that helped us along the way. Um, and we had alignment within all the way, I'll say all the way up to the Assistant Secretary of the Army for Civil Works that was in alignment with what we're trying to do here. And so it was a, I I think, a textbook case of what right looks like and what we can do, not only in Tulsa District, because we proof of concept was here, but in other places around the country that uh, we can can get it done. Yeah. What, What else is, and what's so interesting about that is I think when I started here in 14, and I started learning about how this whole thing works. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had, if based on the conversations and what I'd heard up to that point, if you had said that we'd be doing this in 2020, 2019, 2020, I would have, wouldn't have believed you I because I didn't think, I, I think a lot of people didn't think it was going to be possible. Right. Right. And so, it, and it's not <laughs> without a lot of effort from everybody involved. Right. I mean, we, you know, we had to, <laughs> We had to make sure, jealously guard the resources on the team, 
protect them to make sure they could do their jobs. I think it's a testament to the middle, you know, mid-managers and mid-leaders as well as senior leaders in the district to support it, to um, um, to let the team, empower the team to make some decisions and get to the end state that we needed to be at with the appropriate amount of um, senior level involvement. Because, you know, that it, it, we could have easily micromanaged this thing into a five-year study. Right? right. But that's not doing the community any good. And so we, uh, everybody operated at the appropriate level in the appropriate road in the appropriate ways at the appropriate times. And that's like a ballet almost. We did it we did a very good job of that here in the district. Yeah, and the and the flood actually turned out to be a positive it did. in that overall event because the twenty nineteen flood let them see sort of the the risk. The, the risk, yeah. Yeah. And and in fact we were able to uh, validate I mean, right. it was like a, a real-time validation of some models that we were using at the time. So, I mean, it, and, and then we tweaked. And so we, there was really no question as to the technical components of that because we just went through the event, and, right. and, and this is it. This is what it looks like. So it was a, <clears throat> excuse me, it was a very um, star-aligning moment in a number of different ways. Yeah, well, so you've worked at Fort Worth, Little yeah. Rock, Tulsa. What's what's been your your favorite your favorite job that you've had? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you don't have to go by no. location necessarily. No, uh, yeah, it's okay. I, 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 you know, I like this job. Yeah, yeah, but I'm leaving right. So, but I like this job a lot. Um, had opportunities along. I've been here seven years, like I mentioned mm-hmm. previously. Um, had opportunities to do some other things, but I want to be here. Um, I, I enjoy the intensity. I enjoy the huge competence that we have in our, you know, not only our senior leaders, but our branch chiefs, our section chiefs, and then the folks who work out in the field. I mean, we, we have such a unique environment here in terms of that competence that it's um, that I don't want to say it makes, you know, aspects, it makes aspects of my job very enjoyable and, um, and workable in order to service all the targets that we have out there. And then, (coughs) excuse me, and then be able to position for today. But, you know, like I tell my folks, it's like, you know, we we need to be not only attacking today, we need, you know, dealing with our current operation, but we need to have one eye at or over the horizon. So one foot in today, one foot in tomorrow, um, or next year or the year after, all the time. We need to have that perspective, and so it's been a, it's been very uh, very easy to have that orientation here in the district for me. Um, and, and in my capacity to advise the commander as he uh, postures for, for our mission. So I, I like this job. And so every job builds on the previous ones. And, and so from when I was able to uh, enjoy my first project engineer job as a young captain in Fort Worth District to today, uh, I still remember, you know, Sandy Miller 
you know, a, a program analyst in Fort Worth District's um, PM shop teaching me about CFMs and how that works. And I use that today in terms of understanding um, finances and how the how every how money flows and all that stuff. So I think all the jobs that I've had have built up to today. Um, the teaching, uh, the prospect course, the in Little Rock, you know, when we stood up the Dam Safety Production Center um, as a regional entity, which was kind of a first, um, there was some risk there. And we accepted that as an organization, um, as a region, and we have done very well with that. Um, there was a, there's a cyber, cybersecurity center for all of our hydropower center of expertise there that we stood up. So kind of understanding and, and getting to understand how that works was hugely beneficial. And then prior to that, I would say um, uh, in the early war years of the early 2000s, you know, we, we decided in USACE we needed to transform. And we did. And, and so fortunately, I was a part of that as we did change, which is not a small thing to do for USACE. And so uh, seeing how that works, how hard that is, and where, the, where we have to um, uh, influence and make those changes was all built to really helping me understand this role. Because when I, when I initially considered putting in for this job many years ago, I was kind of nervous about it. I didn't really know what I didn't know about it. And now that I've been in it, it's been a true pleasure and um, um, certainly serving here in Tulsa District. So when, uh, when a person, what's more important from your perspective, where you're located geographically or what you're doing professionally from your perspective? Yeah. Um, you know, I probably made the comment to several <laughs> folks that, it, you know, during the max telework during COVID, you know, I, I say this is people business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I really struggle, you know, because I, I like sitting here like we're sitting across from each other, having a conversation and seeing the body language, seeing your reaction to some things influences how I behave, you know, influences how I will convey information to you. That was just hard for me. And so I think there's a hybrid balance of that. I know that there's some aspects of our work that could be done um, um, in a more of a virtual environment, and that's that's perfectly fine. But I think that we cannot ever, you know, um, forget that this is a people business, and somehow we have to continually bring that back into the equation. Um, you know, it, it, however, whatever form that needs to take. Um, if that, did I answer your yeah. question like you yeah, I, I, intended it? I was, um, I was asking, I was, I was focusing on geographically in terms oh. of region or, oh, okay. or state or city or whatever versus your, your, your People. job that you're working yeah. in or what you're doing and what you're doing versus what you're, where you are. Okay. okay. <laughs> like where you're doing it. <laughs> okay. Is it more important to be in the place you want to be, do you think, in terms of... Oh, broadly speaking. Bro- in in terms of, okay. like, a, right. a, a, uh, if, if I said, you know, give me a, a, a geo geographical location, yeah. is it more important to be in a, ge- a specific geographical location 
doing a job, or is it more important to be doing the job you want to do somewhere else? I see what, what you, would you I, think Oh, from boy, I, I took that a different direction. No, that's didn't fine. I? No, I, I think, um, I, you know, um, I, I want to say if you're doing the job you want to do, then you never work a day in your life, right? Right. I mean, you know, it's one of those kind of things in my book. You know, I've moved around a lot. I, fortunately, I've been able to do I, I've been able to do that to try to pursue those positions that I thought would be good, um, and kind of match my skill sets and what I'd like to do. And so, I, I think, but but we don't always have that choice, right? Sometimes no. we have to follow. Um, you know, where our family leads us or where other, other situ, you know, other Im- issues will take us for whatever reason. Um, but I'd like to think though, that if you can land in the, in the, in a position that really, uh, suits you and suits your skills, then that, that is a true, um, that, that is really a good thing. I mean, it'll be a good thing for, you know, one's, um, career aspirations, uh, you know, your, your, um, orientation to, to not only work, but life, um, to many other things, mental health, if you will. You know, I mean, I think it has a lot of positive, uh, impacts beyond geography. Now you were talking about an organizational change earlier about going, um, Sort of being in the core during times where we were the, yeah. the organization was changing, right? This reorganization, right? Um, and, and that creates some culture change. Yeah. How do you manage, like, especially with, with what you were talking about with the type of changes that you were experiencing as the core was changing? Um, how do you manage that? Because there's a lot of nervousness, yeah. you know. I mean, there's a joke that I remember a, a commander used to used to make that if you want to freak everybody out, you know, take a, 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 a proposed reorg chart and put, leave it on like the copy machine <laughs> oh, and, and just set it there and just watch the, the chaos watch that ensues. <laughs> but what, what, uh, how do you manage a, a, a change like the type that yeah. you went through? And, and we've done, and, you know, so we've done a few here since I've been mm-hmm. here in this organization to try to adapt to our mission set. And so, I think first and foremost, it needs to it needs to be drilled pretty hard by the senior staff on on why we're doing this. You know, I think uh, um, everything we do should be driven by either current mission or or anticipated mission as we expect it to happen. Because you know those things never take you know. Well, we were able to pivot pretty quickly to California in a term sort of way as we try to catch up with the paperwork. That's very rare in our organization. So I would say in a normal reorg kind of situation, that that needs to be, uh, you know, needs to follow a very disciplined, rigorous process to make sure that, the you know, the, the need is there to do that um, because it is disruptive to people, you know, and 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 i think that we've we've done very well in the last certainly 10 15 years of maybe 12 of um making sure that the human component you know we we can divorce ourselves away from thinking about the people piece of this pretty quickly as we look at blocks on a piece of paper and functions and missions and stuff like that 
but really we need to bring our folks along with us as we go through it. And so as, as these things mature, as a proposed reorg, let's say, would mature, I say we get to a point where we, you know, we're very transparent with the workforce. That used to not be the case in, in many decades ago. That used to just kind of get sprung on the workforce, which was probably scar tissue that a lot of folks still have from, from those days. But I think we've done a better job personally um, to convey what it is we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it and with uh, a caveat of, um, you know, if we can, if we can um, you know, minimize or, or have no effect on the people aspect of it, I think we've done a lot better job of being transparent about that in the last few years. And so to me, it all comes around to management doing their homework. Does it make sense? And if it does, then we get that information out to, to our folks as quickly as possible so everybody understands what it is and why, what we're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, you, you hear a lot about in, in leadership texts about, um, you know, you, you sort of sensitize and then you sort of unfreeze something. Then you, you know, destroy the old system. Then you refreeze the new system oh, to make right. sure that, that everything is, is in place. Um, and I, I just wonder if... Um, If um, if the hardest part of that is is the the getting people to buy in, I mean that's yeah. kind of the big the big the big difficult aspect of any I guess organizational change is the the buy in aspect. What yeah. do you think the most important thing you can do to get the buy in is? Yeah, and 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 you know, is to is to I, I think to convey rational thought to people. Now, that doesn't mean people are either going to have a vote in that or they're going to believe that, right? Because some people just are uncomfortable with that all the way around. So, you know, we do, <laughs> this is a benevolent dictatorship, right? Yeah. I mean, we have, we have, it's a military organization. So I think we do a very good job of trying to um, get that buy-in for folks. Um and at a minimum, if that can't happen, at least convey the rationale. Okay, yeah. this is why we're doing it and what we're doing. This is the potential benefits. And, and you know, this is the downside of that decision, right? This is, you know, let's be honest. You know, there's two sides to those coins. Yeah, I think most people just want to feel like they've been heard. Yeah. Or that their yeah. concerns are at least acknowledged in, in most cases. And I, and, I, and I have to say, along those lines, um, there's been several several times when folks have brought up things that uh, we need to address. Mm -hmm. So I think that we have open lines of communication with everybody and, and folks' opinion does matter. It really does. So what are you going to do now once you retire? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, um, I'm going to be kind of in a sabbatical mode, I think, is where I'm at. And, you know, as I talked to Tracy, Tracy's my wife. As she and I talk about things, I think we're going to um, just kind of ease into a little bit, um, not have any too many expectations in terms of like uh, post-retirement vocation or anything like that. I won't consider anything like that until the summertime, I think, um, but uh, just kind of uh, take some stock, you know, just kind of see where things are at and... Uh, 
and then uh, see where things are in the summertime. Now, are you going to stay in the Tulsa oh, area? Yeah. Oh yeah, Tulsa's a great place, and and we've got a lot of a lot of friends in the in our neighborhood, and of course work here. I hope to t- stay in touch with most everybody here that I can, and uh, and um, uh, keep up with everybody. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah. Well, look, always, always in these with what have I not asked you that I should have asked you that you would, <laughs> what's the answer you wanted to give me to the question I didn't yeah. ask? That's funny. Um, you know, I, I tell you, the DPM, you know, when I was, when I was brand new, I, I think even when I was on, still on active duty, but with the Fort Worth district, I used to look at the DPM as an enigma, right? It was like this guy who would show up to work, obviously, every day. But I really didn't know what he did. But he was the chief of my, you know, boss's boss's boss kind of thing at the time. But really didn't know what they did. Now I do. It's uh, it, it, there's a lot of um, a lot of um, uh, behind the scenes activity that goes on that that I kind of anticipated you know but really until you're in it you don't really know it uh dealing with our senior executives and general officers at the division office a lot in terms of forming and and uh and framing um i don't know positions and how we do business and you know how to communicate with counterparts across at least in USACE and then stakeholders outside mm-hmm. of USACE so that we're all in alignment and then my peers so I consider all my my DPM uh, counterparts in the other districts my friends I've, we all grew up together so we all know each other so um, it's um, it, it, there's a lot of uh, interaction that happens so that enigma has now become clear clearer to me as I've occupied the seat in this in this capacity from many, many years ago. So, um, but um, anyway, it's, it's been my favorite job, bar none, of, uh, of being in USACE for sure. Well, and, and you've spent your career in Southwest Division. So you've been a pace setter the, the whole time, right. pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. And um, is, how long do you, how long did it take you to get used to the DPM position after you arrived. I mean, obviously, there's always that 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 breaking in period right. where you're kind of learning, I guess, some yeah. of the things. Yeah. How long do you think it took you to really feel like you were in the organization? Yeah. I, you, well, two things going on there, right? So I was coming from Little Rock to here, so I knew a lot of people in Tulsa, but I hadn't served here for right. decades, kind of thing, right? Uh, number one, number two. I knew about the mission, but I didn't know everything about all the all the missions in the in the district. But I did know a lot of folks at SWD and, and the other districts and that kind of thing. So it took probably and so everybody, you know, the the leadership model resets every time somebody new comes in. So it took probably um, about a year for me to get comfortable with all the aspects of the mission and then get to know the field and make the trips out there kind of probably as a new commander would in his first year. Um, uh, but people, I think, were very kind and responsive to me in the seat right off the bat, which I was very thankful for, which it fits with the culture of the district, right? Everybody is is very uh, good in that way. So, um, 
yeah, probably a good year to, to kind of get all the components and all the visits and put eyes on all the projects in for sure. Well, um, Lee, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me and, and talk to us. And, um, I really do. I wish you the best in retirement and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we see you around. Yeah. Very often. Um, thank you once again for, for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for joining us for Corestruction. Corestruction is a production of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Public Affairs Office. This episode of Corestruction is brought to you by the Deputy District Engineer for Programs and Management. Thanks for joining us and have a great day. hoping that uh, we see you around yeah very often um thank you once again for for taking the time thank you thank you brandon appreciate the opportunity thank you for joining us for corestruction corestruction is a production of the tulsa district u.s army corps of engineers public affairs office this episode of corestruction is brought to you by the deputy district engineer for programs and management thanks for joining us and have a great day